But you had to tell your boss, well, I lost my keys and my car ran out of petrol or gas and uh, I just couldn't get to work on time. And with all my efforts, I just couldn't do it. Well, we'll take the will for the deed. Well, you'll get away with that once. Or maybe you leave home without your wallet and the police officer catches you somewhere along the road and asks to see your license. I forgot my wallet. Well, you just might get away with that once, but try it again and you will be in trouble. In this chapter, we learn that we serve a gracious God because he truly does take the will for the deed. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is the radio ministry of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and we're on the air each day at this time to bring you the message of the gospel. Now, as we come to the end of the year, we're sort of thinking of how we should be setting ourselves to serve the Lord in the new year to come. Soon the midnight hour will strike and we'll be into a brand new year and we need to prepare our hearts that we may serve the Lord with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. In Second Samuel 6, we learned of David's bringing the ark back. Now in Second Samuel 7, we're going to learn about David building a house for the ark or at least that was his plan, and that was his desire. It didn't materialize in his lifetime. But God took the will for the deed, and that really is the theme of our message today, that the Lord loves willing service. He loves those who even are limited in resources, but have a desire to do all for God that they possibly can. So let's turn to Second Samuel 7, and we'll read together this passage and this account of David desiring to build a house for God. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me an house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, Spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not an house of cedar? Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, from following the sheep, to be a ruler over my people Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. 
Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more, as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So this is the account in Second Samuel 7 of God's word to David, that while he would not build the temple in his lifetime, but his son Solomon would, and God was preparing the way and opening the way. But that did not deter David, and he gathered material in abundance that he might prepare well for the day when God's house is erected. Every Christian has a responsibility to be good stewards for God. We have a responsibility to use the talents, the gifts, the opportunities we have to serve the Lord with all our hearts. And I hope that there is in your heart today a desire to serve the Lord, to do something for his kingdom's sake. And so we turn today to this message on Second Samuel 7 from the pulpit of our church here. May the Lord bless you through his word as you listen in today. Well, in passage preaching, we don't normally have a particular text, but uh, there is a word in the verse 3 that I think really gets us off to a good start in this chapter 7 of Second Samuel. These are the words of Nathan, the prophet Nathan, to King David. Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. When was the last time someone said to you that they would take the will for the deed? Maybe you wanted to be on time for work, but you had to tell your boss, well, I lost my keys and my car ran out of petrol or gas and uh, I just couldn't get to work on time. And with all my efforts, I just couldn't do it. And well, we'll take the will for the deed. Well, you'll get away with that once. Or maybe you leave home without your wallet and the police officer catches you somewhere along the road and asks to see your license. I forgot my wallet. Well, you just might get away with that once, but try it again and you will be in trouble. In this chapter, we learn that we serve a gracious God because he truly does take the will for the deed. David wanted to build a temple, a house of worship for the Lord's glory. And God said to him that he honored David for the desire, but that he would not do it. His son would take in that work. And this account 
has really much to do with what was within David's heart. He was no self-seeker. It was not all about me, but rather his desire was his eye was toward the glory of God and his honor. It's always a poor thing when God's people choose to do the least for God rather than the most. And this is the David who later in another event, he said, neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God that doth cost me nothing. It's dangerous to want a cheap religion. It's dangerous to want to serve God with the least rather than the most. And we know that our salvation cost God his everything when he gave his son. And I like this word of Nathan, the prophet, to David. Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. Now, Nathan must have had a high degree of confidence in David to be able to say that. Would you say that to me tonight? Could I say that to you? Go, do all that is within thine heart. The Lord is with thee. That requires a high degree of confidence that someone is truly in the will of God, and they're going to do it the right way. And no doubt, Nathan was a true companion on to David. Now, what is in your heart tonight that you might offer in service to the Lord? The answer to that, of course, will really be the test of your godliness. It will be the test of where you're at in your walk with God. And we want to take up this theme tonight, serving God with a godly heart. David was the man after God's own heart. And in this event where he planned and he desired that he might build a house unto God, it surely demonstrated the state of his heart. Now, what is the state of our hearts tonight? Do we want to do something to honor God, or are we seeking a religion of convenience? There are many in Canada many across the world who want a Christianity of convenience. They want it to be done the easy way, the quick way, the least upset to their lifestyle, the least cost to their children, and they want it all laid on, rather than it to be a gospel of discipleship. So we're going to take up this theme about the the ways of a godly heart to serve the Lord. And firstly, we're going to look at the marks of a godly heart. And then after that, the encouragement that the godly need to serve the Lord. And then we'll look at some of the rewards that we have in serving the Lord. Now, the first mark uh, that we would notice here in David's experience and his own desire is humility, his amazing humility. You will read here, of course, in chapter 7, 1, that David now is settled in Jerusalem. His enemies have been put to flight at this time. There were no future enemies to come, but at this point, all his enemies are silenced, 
He has conquered those that would hinder him from setting up home in Jerusalem. He is living in his own palace, and yet he's still a man of low esteem. He doesn't allow this to go to his head and to make him proud. That low esteem is uh, seen here in verse 2. See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And so, while he sits in his own palatial home, well-furnished, well-finished, he recognizes that the ark, which he had recently brought into the city, was now in a very temporary abode in a, a tabernacle or a tent with curtains. And he's not at ease in that. And he is not here to just satisfy his own ease. If you go down to verse 18, you will find David's prayer. When God reveals some tremendous things to him, you'll notice his humility. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou broughtest me hither to? And in this passage, God said, well, he took him from the, from the sheep coat. He took him from looking after the sheep in the hillsides around Bethlehem, made him to be king and the, the king shepherd of the chief city and over the whole nation. And yet all of that, David remained humble. How necessary. In James 4, 6, we read, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. When our children were heading off to school for a couple of years, we had homeschooled them for a bit. And when we found a school for them and they were heading off in their new uniforms and going out the door to school, and they had their Bibles that they were taking to that school, I wrote on the front page that very text, James 4 and 6, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And how necessary that we teach our children and that each of us maintain that humility that we might be served of service unto the Lord. Now, the second mark of a godly heart as you look at this, is he wants to use every opportunity to serve the Lord. Back in verse 1 again, came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. Now, rest for David was a rare thing. He had spent so many of his years on the fly. He was fleeing, running, fighting, and harassed either by Saul or by the Philistines. And now that he was in the city of Jerusalem, he had a, a time of rest to his body, a well-deserved rest, he might say. But he wanted to use that time of rest, not just for his own leisure and for his own ease, but for also the service of God. I like what Arthur Pink said on this. He said, there are few things which afford a surer index to our spirituality, or the lack of it, than how we are engaged in our hours of leisure. What you do with your free time 
will tell you what kind of person you really are. You see, we must go to work. We must put food on the table. There are those hours that we must do certain things. We're locked into it. But those hours or days when we are free from the absolute necessities of life, well, they dictate and they tell us what kind of person we are. And here, when David had rest, he was full of desire that he might honor the Lord, that he may build a house for him. Now, the church of the Lord Jesus has fallen back in times of ease. When we have been free from persecution and opposition and trouble, it seems that the church of the Lord Jesus falls backward into a time of sloth. And most people in worldly things are too busy. That's just very often the problem. When we suggest, well, let's do something for God, uh, the response so often is, I could never fit that into my schedule. That would never work out for me because they are just so busy. Now, some have to be busy, and we know that there are those phases in life when, whether it's study or career or that other thing that needs to be done and there's no way out, uh, and there is that phase in life when you're locked into it, but that's not the way to spend your whole life. That's not the way for a Christian to schedule their life that they might be so busy. What about tithing your time? Now, I'll not go as far as another preacher who said there are 168 hours in the week, and if you tithe that, that's the number of hours you should serve God. I'll do it this way. Most people work a 40-hour week, some more, some a little less. But what about tithing four hours a week? Factor in the prayer meeting, uh, an hour and a half in prayer. There's another two and a half hours that you can use to serve God. Visiting a home, going out on outreach, giving out literature, coming to the church to do practical things, whatever that might be, and you are giving your time in the Lord's service. There are some people who are retired, uh, whatever that means. Most people I talk to who uh, I say to them, uh, you're now retired. What's that like? Oh, busier than ever. Always got so many things on the go. Now, there is no doubt that when we get older, we don't have the energy to do all those things we once did. But I think many of our seniors have a ministry of prayer that is invaluable to the life of the church. It doesn't mean that you are an athlete or you have physical perfect health, but you can pray. And I think this is an area of ministry and of service in the church where seniors who are freed from the commute, the work world, the pressures of life, rather than recoiling into what do I do with myself, you can give that time of life to serve the Lord in a ministry of prayer. There are ladies in our church that likewise are perhaps uh, not as busy as their husbands, uh, 
Maybe your families are grown to the point where they don't need uh, all that extra care. And Beulah and I know the difference because we had Grace with us this week for most of the week with four children. And well, we look back and wonder, how did we do it with five? And uh, life changes. All that energy and time that is required for a young family, that changes later in life. And we can be a Simeon or an Anna who gave themselves to life in the temple to worship God and serve the Lord. And of course, for all of us, the apostles in Acts 6 said, we will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. David wanted his days of ease to be used for God. What about us? Do we want those days of opportunity to just shrivel up, or do we want to put them to work for God? Also, a godly heart in the Lord's service is to think more of God's honor than our own ease. David could have justified a period of ease and rest. He was a warrior. He was out in the battle. He was living in caves and dens and rocks. And now that he was in a city and settled, well, he said, I, I have served so long for this. Surely I can take a time of ease. And yet he must do something for God. You see, discipleship is the Lord's way. We are disciples. We are servants. And wherever you go in the Gospels, you read of those disciples and the need for discipleship. If any man will follow me, let him take up his cross and be my disciple. We read in the, in the epistles where uh, men were to deny themselves and to follow and serve the Lord. And so these are the marks of a godly heart in God's service. I hope they're true in each of us, that humility, that uh, putting God first, then using our opportunities and those times of relative ease that we may say, I want to do something for God. Now, then we come to the encouragement of godly hearts uh, that are so needed. Well, the, the wonderful thing I see in this passage that David had an advisor. He had a tremendous friend in Nathan the prophet, and he consulted with his godly friend, whom you will notice was in his home. David kept companionship with the godliest man that was around. The man certainly that God used in David's life many times to be a faithful guide and to be a faithful messenger. And the man nearest to God is the one that you want to have for your friend and your guide. The, saw, the Proverbs tell us that iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And we would say in Canadian parlance that David bounced a few things off Nathan, and he had a talk with him. What do you think of this? 
And here's Nathan's response. Do all that is within thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. Do you see the encouragement that Nathan gave him? He didn't hold him back and say, oh, no, it's not time for that. He wasn't pouring cold water upon him. And uh, another uh, psalm in this instance is, I am a companion of all that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. And so when you do uh, share your ideas and your thoughts and your plans, then you can get some godly counsel from those that would try to encourage you. And sometimes just one's enough. Well, I hope the message has sunk in and that you realize that we are disciples. We're called to make our lives count for the Lord. And mind you, with the passing of time and another year that is slipping away, we recognize that the time is short and the night cometh when no man can work and we need to be busy as disciples of the Lord. Now, we noted there in the message that the mark of a disciple is one who exercises self-denial. And that's the only way we'll ever serve God, to deny ourselves, to put God first, and to use every opportunity to serve God. I wonder in what ways are you exercising self-denial in your ministry, your life for the Lord? Um, Are you really on the stretch, giving your whole life to the Lord? The other thing that I note in this message, and I would certainly wish to emulate, and I want to be in my own ministry in the church and here on radio, and that is to be an encourager. Nathan was a wonderful friend to David. Now, he was no fair-weather friend. He was able to stand up to David and be faithful in confronting him with his sin and his errors, but that's the mark of true friendship. And we want friends who will lead us into godliness, not the ways of compromise. And I noted that we need the man nearest to God to be our friend, or a woman who is near to God should be our friend. We shouldn't make friends of the ungodly, because they will drag us down. They will weaken our testimony and our stand. They will color the decisions we make and lead us into bypath meadow. We need men and women around us who are living for God, who are zealous, holy, uh, balanced in their lives, and not like a warped wheel that is going astray. But uh, we want men and women around us who are living for God with all their hearts, and that will encourage us as we seek to step out and use our time and talents for God. So let's pray about this. Take it to the Lord. Ask Him, Lord, what will you have me to do? And how will you have me to do it? Now stay tuned as we come to the closing announcements today. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, 
at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.